right, grab a seat if you would. Heading off, uh, kids heading off with, oh, Jordan and Destiny there. Destiny, I saw you kind of standing like this. Were you just kind of framing the moment there? Well, okay, all right. So I've never been where you're at, so I don't really understand, but I'm trying to learn, so. All right, heading off. Hey, how many of y'all say this is an awesome time to be alive? Out of all the times, God, how many of y'all would like pick, uh, pick some time period? How many, how many of y'all have ever thought about, wow, I could have been back around medieval times and been a knight, you know, or I could have been around in the Wild West being a cowboy, or how many of you ever picked some certain time? Chris, where would you have liked to have been around? Wild West. Wild West. All right, anyone else? Yeah. Who else? I saw some other hands. Who else? Yeah, Jason. 1950, you've been the doo king, yeah, and uh, right on, who else, uh, yeah? The pirate. A pirate, Arr! you know, yeah, that would have been cool, kind of, you know, as long as you were a good pirate, salvaging, you got permission from the insurance company to take stuff off the wrecked ships, all right, and you weren't actually wrecking them, right, but, yeah, but, it, it, you know, you think back sometimes, like, dude, that would have been so much simpler. That would have been kind of cool. It's kind of a fantasy thing. But who determined your birthday? God did. Who determined that you would be alive in 2020? And, and everybody, remember, you guys remember a few weeks ago, everybody like, oh, glad 2020 is over. <laughs> and now it's 2021. And, and it's, it just keeps kind of building on itself, and it's kind of cool. Out of all the time periods that God could have you alive, man, he's got you alive right now to make disciples. And what an opportunity. I've had this conversation with God since probably early March of last year. Y'all remember early March of last year? That was when we realized, hey, this is kind of weird. <laughs> Things are getting a little different. And, and, and we don't know the outcome. We don't know the future. We only know what he wants us to do right now. We do know the future that we got a home in heaven. But in all of that, you know, it was like at that time, um, that's when in, in speaking with them, it's like, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do right now? And, and God was just continually telling me, he's like, I have created such a unique period of time right now. How many of you would agree that since March, it has been a very unique period of time where he's got the world's attention? Not just America, not just a single state, but he's got the world's attention. Does anybody else see that? Amen. Yeah, say amen if you see that. Amen. Yeah, he's got, he said, man, I have created a time where I've got everyone's attention. And it, the best way I've heard it put, and it was by four non-believers of four different socioeconomic statuses in one day, I shared it with you before, is they just said, God, it's kind of like, even though I don't really believe in God, it's kind of like God has taken everybody's, uh, taken all of our gods away from us. Everything everybody was counting on, from their business and their retirement to their to their, their steady job, to a college degree and getting a good job and jumping into the Everything everybody was counting and now has reached some form of uncertainty. And it's like God has taken all the other gods away. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with that? And he said, I want you to introduce them to the God that will never be taken away. And that's what I want you at Driftwood to be focusing on is realize how special, how awesome this time frame is that he could have had you live during pirate days, bro. He could have had you live in the Wild West, but he had you live now for the purpose of helping people find the God that will never be taken away because he certainly made it easy for us, hasn't he? Some of us look at this and oh man, this is hard, this is tough. It, it, is in, if, it, it is in worldly way, it can be. And it may get tougher. In fact, scripture says it will. But it's getting easier and easier to do our job. How many of y'all like when your job gets easier? You know, Bob, I call Bobby's at the boat club, and it's like, hey, Bob, you're working really hard. No, it's like 32 degrees. Nobody's out on boats today. I'm just kind of, it's like, you like those days. Sometimes you like harder ones. It gets boring, right? But we all like it when our job gets easy, you know? <laughs> Doc, do, you like it when somebody's laying on a table and you're trying to, like, crack their neck? That's serious business, right? And they're, like, all tense stuff. No, you like them like me, kind of relax. But you're going to have to shake it up a little bit because I've got your kind of pattern. You go here, you go here, and then, all right? You got to change it up because otherwise it's kind of like, you know, pulling a trigger on a gun. You know, the first couple shots, you're like, bam, bam, and all of a sudden you're, you're anticipating the recoil, you know? So we like it when our job is easier. God has made our job easier right now. Who in the world is not thinking about God? 
And who in the world's not going to think about God? If they're not thinking about him now, they will at some point. But you know what they want to see? They want to see somebody who has the real God living in them, dictating his decisions through them. They want to see somebody living for him. They want to see the supernatural stuff God wants to do. And I'm not talking hocus pocus. I'm just talking about stuff we've been talking about. You know, leaf springs. Who, where in the world are you going to find them? You imagine if they would have broken down in New York City. I mean, if they broke down Louisiana, where else are you going to find leaf springs like that, Terry? Terry? You know what I'm saying? It's like God had him break down for that purpose, and, and he knew where they were. So, again, we are living at the time God wants us to live, and he's made our job easy if we understand our job is to make disciples. And so I kept asking God, God, how in the world? Well, give me a mantra for this. Give me some one thing. You know I'm kind of ADD. God, you made me that way. And, or is it ADHD or whatever they call it, you know, you know, where you get off on tangents, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he made me that way, so I'm like, God, you got to give me something to focus on. And it's been this statement right here, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of y'all want to hear that one day? Do you know that's the reward? That's the reward one day. Can you imagine from the time you're born again to the time he brings you home, that you are serving him, you are worshiping him, not because you're trying to get into heaven. You already know you're in heaven. You already know your past, present, and future sins are forgiven. You know how much he loves you, and as you continue to worship and serve him, you understand more about how he loves you, and you love him more. And as you're doing that, man, can you imagine one day standing before him, and if even I just picture maybe a little screen, he's saying, yeah, this is how you were. This is how you were. And I put my grace in you. I gave you faith. I gave you everything you needed to do it the right way. And you did it. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to we're not going to be seeing the negative end. that's already been taken care of our sin as he's going to reward us. He's going to say, man, boy for doing that. And it's not that we get the praise and honor and glory for it because we couldn't do it if he didn't put it in us. We're just using it, and it's like, I want to hear nothing more than from him. You used what I gave you, and I equipped you to do well done, good and faithful servant. Anybody else want to hear that? Amen. That's the goal. That's what we're working towards. That's what, we're, that's what every moment needs to be. So here's what I want you to think about today. Man, if you, don't, if you zone out a little bit, how many have already zoned out? How many got somebody next to him already zoned out? All right, because, yeah, I know what the look looks like. I, I do call on you sometimes, but, God, <laughs> like, okay, I word the question so you can answer that, but, and I get it, I couldn't sit as long as you guys, and Zane is right, I'm going to be talking somewhere when the trumpet blows, and hopefully it's about him, amen, but, man, where was I at? No. <laughs> Here's what I want you guys to remember from this, is do everything in such a way that one day you'll hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Charlie, when you go to that board meeting, bro, I told you this the other day in Camping World parking lot, and I didn't have it planned. It's been my pat answer for everybody everywhere since the beginning of March because it's been my pat answer. It's not what I always do. You can ask my wife about that. Ask my family. But Charlie, I've got this board meeting. I'm like, Charlie. And God, the Holy Spirit just put it through me to say, Charlie, one day you're going to have to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with that awesome situation I gave you? And you're going to do it in such a way that you can hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Every encounter we have, every post we make on social media, and by the way, I hope most of you um, are not on Facebook today, but you are actually on our website. And if you are watching uh, outside of here, please go to our website and, and watch, the, watch the service from that instead of Facebook. Praise God, last week, you know what happened in the middle of our service? Facebook cut us off. Is that not a badge of honor? I'm just saying. And everybody was like, everybody was like, what, what happened? Oh my God. And JJ made the announcement. No, literally, it wasn't our app. It wasn't our technical deal. They didn't like what we were saying. And they cut us off. That means we're saying the right stuff. That means we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation and that he's the only way. He's the way, the truth, the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. It might have had something to do with the 2A stuff I said. I don't know. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Every decision we make, 
Every situation we're put in, every encounter, we need to be focused to try to respond, to do it in such a way that one day we'll hear the Father say, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. In every situation, man, we want to, hear, we want to respond in such a way to hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. So Peter tells us in chapter 4 how to go about doing that. And first he says, man, you guys need to live in prayer. You live in prayer. I'm not saying we're like walking around, oh, our Father, we're chart in heaven, help be thy name. You know, like, no, you live in prayer. And you can do that as you're walking around. You can do that as you're doing your job. You can do that as you're ordering conduit and why you're and what this means. We'll show you here in just a second. But you can live in prayer. That means what's the difference between prayer and worry, Karen? Who you're talking to, okay? The difference between prayer and worry is who you're talking to. Prayer is not that you change the conversation to something flowery and that sounds nice. Whatever's going on in your head, you understand? If you put bring God into that conversation, it's now prayer. So, man, who better if you've already got the paraclete, the Holy Spirit of God, the comforter walking beside you? That's what the word paraclete means when he said, I'm going to give you another comforter. You're going to have the Holy Spirit of God walking beside you. If he's walking beside you, living inside of you, who better to have in your head? Why do we keep shutting him out of our head until he's like got a knock on it? You know, not anybody have the Holy Spirit knock on your head while you're thinking you're not hearing him. You're like... You know, didn't y'all ever do that when you were little? Like, we grew up in Florida, we're like, look, my head's like a coconut. <laughs> you know, but anybody ever have the Holy Spirit? Can you do that, Terry? You didn't do that one. You have some in your head, don't you? <laughs> but listen, man, you ever have the Holy Spirit just knocking on your head, trying to, like, be a part of it? He lives in you. He's walking beside you, and he wants to give you the answers. Like, oh, you guys remember Horshack? Anybody remember Welcome Back, Cotter? I mean, old enough. Raise your hand if you're old enough to remember Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. And you had to wait every week for that episode to come on. And you were home to watch it, right? When TV, before all that other stuff. Yeah, and Cotter. Mr. Cotter would have a question. And it's Horseshack. What would he do? Show me what he would do. And every he had to answer. What did he do? Oh! He was that kid in class. Oh! You know? And, and Tim, he kept doing it to answer. That's the Holy Spirit. It's called conviction. And he's not trying to lead us wrong. The Holy Spirit's trying to give us the right answer. Why not involve? That's what it means to live in prayer. Just constantly be mindful. Look at this verse right here. Here's what Peter says, all right? Peter wrote this a couple thousand years ago. It's pretty apropos right now. He said, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your what? Prayer. Prayers. Prayers. And in fact, I like how the New Living Translation actually says that it says, man, it says to be just walking in prayer, having a sober mind, being spiritually observant and focused so that you can just walk in prayer. You can continually live in prayer. You've got the Holy Spirit guiding every step you have. So he said the end of all things is at hand. In fact, New Living Translation says the world's getting fixing in. <laughs> it's all coming in. And when the Bible, <coughs> when the Bible talks about end times, it's talking about a time period. It's not talking about a moment in time when Christ does come back. We believe that the next great event in the spiritual calendar is what? The rapture. Dude, it would be so cool if it happened now. And all the dead bodies, they rise and they're meeting their soul and, and we're flying. Man, how many of y'all looking forward to flying? Would that not be cool flying, dude? That's what we're going to do. That's the rapture. We go have a seven-year honeymoon with Christ. It's where the bride of Christ is, re is united with Christ. And we're married. The greatest time. But on this earth, there's going to be a tribulation period. The worst time the earth has ever seen. And many, many people will get saved during that time. If you're going to wait till that time, don't count on it. Because you're not getting saved now. What's to say you're going to get saved then? Do it now if you have that desire. But... We're going to go do all of that. But this end, and then after the tribulation period's over, seven and a half years, worst times, going to get the Jews' attention. They're going to recognize their Messiah. There's going to be, it's judgment on people who rejected God's gift of eternal life through his son, him himself becoming the sacrifice. And at the end, God comes down, kicks tail, and cleans house. And that's Jesus' second coming. And that's when we have this thousand-year reign of Christ. 
And if we go up in the rapture or die before it, guess what we get to be doing with him? Saying, what are we going to be doing with him? Dining. What? Dining. Dining for seven years. After that, man, yeah. We're, uh, in the, we're going to be reigning with him. We're going to be ruling and reigning with him for a thousand years. The people who are righteous that make it through that tribulation period that are alive, they start repopulating the earth. And then you can read about all that later, but this is what it's talking about. So the time from Christ, the time that Christ ascended to the time that he comes back to his second coming, that's after the tribulation period, that's called the end times. It's called a time period. It's the end times. So when you hear this, Peter wasn't wrong, but every apostle, every believer has found comfort and we're told to encourage each other, believing that Christ could come back at any time. Because it keeps us sharp, it keeps us on our toes. And do you know when Christ is coming back? No. Do I know that he's going to come back right now? Because, oh my goodness, the world's going. In fact, if you read in Matthew, the end of Matthew, he says, it's going to get so bad. It's going to get so bad. You're like, how bad is it? No. If it's going to get so bad that he's going to say, you have, i got to come back. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a time of peace and safety. And you're going to be glad that's over. And then it's going to get so bad, he's got to come back now. There's going to be a time of peace and safety. He said, during one of those lulls, I'm coming back like a thief in the night. Like a blink of an eye, boom, I'm back. And the rapture's happening. Everything's going down. And then we have that tribulation period. So the end times is a time period from when Christ arose, or not rose from resurrection, but when he ascended to heaven to the time he comes back to reign on this earth for that millennial kingdom, which then will end up reigning in the new heaven and new earth forever and ever. You read the last couple of chapters of Revelation to read that. But he said, all these things that are happening are going to be like birth pains. You know, we've talked about this before. How many of y'all have birth pains? You've experienced birth pains. They start out like, oh, yeah, I do. You know, that's why I was like, talking to Net Destiny. She was like holding and I'm like, dude, you have birth pains? You'd be a great illustration. Don't go down with the kids. Stay up here. Let's, you know, but Bruce Lee's like, just don't pick on me again. No more fetal positions for me. All right. Thank you for taking it for the team, Bruce Lee. I won't do that to you ever again. You have paid your dues in Driftwood, you know, economy. All right. So Terry has it, but he's never done. But listen, man. So he said it's like birth pain. So what that means is birth pains start out kind of, I, I hear, all right, I hear they're, they start out mild and far apart. They start getting more severe and closer together. And once they really happen, dude, once they're really just full gear, boom, boom, man, it's letting you know the baby's ready. And the idea is so you don't drop a baby in the middle of Walmart. Imagine if there were no birth pains or Target for some of you. You know, imagine walking through and all of a sudden there's no birth pains. All of a sudden, poof, <laughs> there's a baby. That's not a good thing. When birth pains happen, what is now your focus, Ashley? Delivery. It's not time for JJ to start a new project. It's time for JJ and everybody to focus on getting ready for the baby. So when we as the church see the birth pains, our focus is on the delivery. And the delivery is the second coming of Christ. And we can see some birth pains. Somebody who has a Bible and has it open, somebody with a loud voice ready to read for me. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. I was going to read it, but I, my phone's in the car. So I need somebody to read those five verses, and I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm just going to, I want you guys to listen. That's why I want it with a loud voice. Ashley, you got it? One through five. One through five, yeah. Oh, she's got a microphone. Listen to this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. How many of y'all can see that in our society? How many of y'all are like, no, that we are so far from that? How many of y'all can see an inkling of it in our society today? A little bit. Okay. How many of y'all are like, dude, Jesus coming back. That's it. And that is when we see it so prevalent. How many of you see that more prominent than when you were a teenager? I mean, it was around when you were a teenager, right, Tom? It was around when you first started teaching. Hey, did kids and their character in society get better or worse from the time you started teaching to the time you retired? And from the time you retired, which was how long ago? A year and a half. 
Okay, in California, okay, and, and you only know what media's telling you about California, right? But from the time you retired to right now, would you say society's gotten a little better or worse? Worse. So it's so the birth pains. We can see the birth pains. We know they're there. We don't know how close they're coming. We know that they're getting more severe. We know they're getting more frequent. Would you not say that? But does that mean he's coming back right now? We don't know. And that's what he kept saying is you don't know. But always be prepared. Live in such a way that you're ready for that to happen. You're spiritually alert. So he said the end of all things at hand. And Peter and those believers at that day really believed it was coming. Paul in Thessalonians thought they, he was coming right then. They weren't disappointed that he didn't when they got to heaven and so on. But it doesn't make them a liar, but it's a period that's getting worse and worse and worse. And as we see the birth pains, we need to be more and more focused on what they represent. It's not time to start a new project, church. It's time to focus now on the delivery, which is the second coming of Christ. And make sure that all we do as believers is make disciples. That we treat every situation as a God-ordained situation. Every situation is a divine encounter. For the purpose that God has put us in so we can help others see life from God's perspective. And one day when we stand before him, what do we want him to hear us say about that situation? Well done, well done good and faithful servant. Not, you idiot, you should put oil in the boat. <laughs> I'm just saying, idiot, drive faster. You know, I have a new video game on my truck, all right? You know, it's helping me with snowbird traffic and different things. All right, I, I put it on like the mileage, the instant mileage reader, and I see it go, woo, 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 and here's my average, and I'm trying to beat the average. It's like a video game, right? And, and so, dude, I got cruise control. I'm getting 13.6, yeah, but for F-150, that's a good thing, right? You know, and 13.6, man, and I'm all, I'm 13.8, 13.9, I'm gonna hit 14 before I get to church. And then there's some dude who slows down on the curve so he can look at the, uh, at the river. You have blown my... I was having this conversation with God this morning. Oh, God, please let me be full of the Spirit. Please help me see everything from your perspective. Oh, God, please, well done, good and faithful servant. What are you doing? You're messing up my gas mileage. <laughs> and I had to repent. I had to repent, and so do you. But I'm just saying that if, we can, if, if you aim at nothing, you hit it, right? If we can make it our goal. That in every situation, we realize it's a divine encounter. And with every situation, one day we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Including the encounter I had on the curb. Every situation, every board meeting, every, every, every purchase, every encounter at, at work. Everything we're doing, even when we're in pain. I mean, he says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. And you know what? Self-controlled is a fruit of what? Spirit. The spirit. It's not like, mm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know, whatever's inside, Nate, whatever's inside of you, if you're, if, if, if you're an orange and you get squished, what comes out? Orange juice, right? So if you're nasty inside and you get squished, what's coming out? Nasty. If you're full of spirit and you get squished, what's happening? The spirit's coming out. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, I didn't mean to do it. No, you didn't mean for it to come out, but that's who you are. That's what came out. That's why we stay filled with the Spirit, and we recognize when stuff comes out of us that we don't like, that that's the flesh. And we ask God to change our insides, to change our desires, to make us more like Him. He said, I'm trying. I keep giving you these situations. And that's the purpose of it. The end of all things at hand, Timothy says, here's what you can expect at the end. And in fact, if you go to Mark chapter 13 or Matthew 24, that's where you'll hear a lot of Jesus saying, it's going to keep, you're going to see this, you're going to see this, you're going to see this. He said they're like birth pains, the beginning of pains. I'm not coming back yet, but like a thief in the night, boom, it's going to happen. He said, therefore, be self-controlled. That means full of the spirit. You need to be focused. How many of y'all have ever been distracted? How many of y'all distracted right now? Like, what? <laughs> I could call on a couple of you and you're distracted, you know. But distracted, it means you're not focused on what you should be focused on. And as a believer, living in these end times, and that doesn't mean he's coming back tonight. But whenever he does come back, we want to be found faithful in doing what we're supposed to be doing for him. But how can you be faithful in doing what you're supposed to be doing for him if you're not focused on it? 
Instead, you're focused on this or you're focused on that. You're focused on the news. You're focused on that job. You're focused on this problem. You're fo Turn every bit of it into a conversation with him. Because the difference between prayer and worry is what? Who you're talking to. Who you're talking to. In every, is there a conversation that you're ever in with yourself or other people that God doesn't really want to be a part of? <laughs> Tricky question, huh? You're like, well, yeah. <laughs> what if you brought God in on those conversations? Would your, would your participation in that conversation change? And what do you think God wants that happen? Your salt and your light, dude. Hey, how many of y'all, you know, if I put salt on that chair, what that chair going to taste like? Salt, right? <laughs> Anything you put salt on, you change the flavor of, of that, right? And so if we're continually walking in prayer because we're focused, our control is spirit control. Why do you have me in this? What are we doing in this situation, God? And as best we can, we're crucifying the flesh and walking in the spirit as best we can. Guess what? We're salt and we're light and we're changing the flavor of the situation instead of getting sucked into it. How many of y'all are finding yourself occasionally getting sucked into this world right now? That's not why he created you at this particular time in history. Man, I just got a feeling there's going to be, I think in heaven they're going to be, and God's going to say, hey, Johnny, uh, you got, if people in heaven are like, dude, you got to live during the 2020 and 2021? Awesome, what did you do? Well, I showed everybody the government, but I showed everybody. What? You didn't tell them about Christ and they were like hungry? What? And, and, and that's what we've got to stay focused on. And of all things at hand, therefore be self-controlled, focused. The Holy Spirit focused, helps you focus on what God wants you to do. And be sober-minded. That's spiritually observant. Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if you were soul-conscious when you looked at people? Wouldn't it be awesome? Like, oh, God, look at that jerk. How, how many, honestly, have you ever said something like that in your head? Come on, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. God, look at that. My kids will never do that. Or I'll never, you know, that person. You know. or, or you look. Maybe I'm probably lost and you're like, oh. What if we saw everybody as a soul? What if we saw everybody as a soul? But that's not our flesh. That's not our nature. That's what the Holy Spirit does when we're spirit-filled. That's where we've got to strive. When we see we're in the wrong realm, we've got to say, God, crucify the flesh. Help me see everyone as a soul. Help me see my true purpose on this planet is to represent you. And, 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 and besides... All right, so how many of y'all know a jerk, a bona fide jerk? You close your eyes and I say, a jerk, think of one in your head right now. How many of y'all can think of one? Come on, be honest. You can think of it. You can't think of any jerks. All right, occasional jerks. How about that, Chris? Someone who can create occasionally just be a real jerk. You're like, yeah, you right now. You're pushing me. Right, Let me ask you a question. If that jerk got saved, what would they be like now? What would they be like, Ryan? What if they got saved? Oh, you had that little cute little smile. Like, uh, <laughs> I saw you. What would a jerk be like if they got saved, they got born again and filled with the Spirit? They'd be like you, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Would that not be the best thing to happen to the person that you can't stand to be around? But we got to see them as souls. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers, and that person is exactly... How many of you would say, before I got saved, I was a total jerk? There were people that thought I was a jerk, all right? Yeah, because there were. <laughs> and they're still waiting for some more change, but, all right. He said, be self-controlled, focused, sober-minded, spiritually observant. Look at this, for the sake of your prayers, so you can have the mind of Christ. Last week, we talked about the greatest weapon that Christ gave us was the mind of Christ. Nobody suffered more than him. Nobody suffered in ways he wouldn't suffer. He, he didn't even have help from God the Father when he was on the cross, and we always have his help. So he's the greatest sufferer, and he succeeded, and he showed us how to suffer. He said, you have to have my mind. You have to think like I think, and I'm thinking for the end purpose. My end purpose is no matter what I have to go through, I'm going to A, do what God wants me to do, and B, I'm going to be able to pay for your sins so I can hang out with you forever. But if at any time I lose the mind of Christ and I go ahead and sin, I can't do either one of those. So he kept focused on what his true purpose was. And that's what this is saying. You've got to keep staying in contact with God. 
He goes, who do you become like? People you hang with. The people you hang out with. Yeah, we had that in Proverbs on, on Wednesday night. You become like the ones you hang out with. You lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas, period. And so the idea, man, is you hang out with Christ, who are you going to become like? Like Christ. And how you, you, oh, well, he lives inside me. Yeah, but if he's always knocking on the door and you ain't answering in the conscience and whatever, man, you know, that's not hanging out with him. He wants us to be obsessed with him. Do you understand in heaven, that's what we're going to be doing. We're all going to be obsessed with Christ. And he's digging it. He loves it when you come to him. So uh, that's what prayer is. Hey, in the gospel accounts, God just gave us for some reason, but in the gospel accounts, you got Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels. They're similar. It's like taking a dime and hold up to the light, and as you turn it, you see a different facet. Although they talk about different things, it's the same Jesus, just a different side of it. And in that, Matthew's a Jew writing to the Jews to show the Jews Jesus king of the Jews. That's why he talks about prophecy and all these things. Mark is probably Peter's rendition. It's a very action-packed gospel to the, to the Romans, where they didn't really care about lineage. Or what can Jesus do? And it's like, immediately Jesus did this, immediate. And it's just a real action-packed. Luke is long, because he was a doctor. And he was an educated man. And he's, looking, he's writing to the Greeks to show them the perfect man, the perfect thinker, the perfect physique, the perfect person. And guess what Luke shows us about the perfect person? If you're ever looking in scripture and you remember a story about Jesus praying, go to Luke because it's probably there. He shows us that the perfect man has constant communion with God the Father. The perfect man is always in prayer with God the Father. Was there ever a time where Jesus wasn't in communion with God the Father? No, not until those three hours on the cross. Other than that, he shows us to be the perfect men and women. We need to be in constant fellowship. And that's what Peter's saying. He said, man, the end of things is at hand. It's all coming to a conclusion. Therefore, be controlled, self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Walk in prayer is what he's saying. Because if you or live in prayer, because if you live in prayer, the next thing he shows us, you will walk in love. So as you are walking, as we love him, he causes us to, to do what? Love others. Love others. When we love him, we can tell we love him because he calls us to love others. It's not about ourselves. If you love him and you're loving others, man, you're going to reap great benefits from that. More so than if you're just loving yourself and trying to love yourself enough to have enough left over to love somebody else. And then God and everybody else gets leftovers. That's not God's way. That's the world's way. And there's many theological people preaching that right now. But it comes down to... Love the Lord your God with everything you got and he calls you to love others and everything works out. So if you live in prayer, you're going to walk in love. You hang out with Jesus. Hey, who did Jesus love? God. And it caused him. Who else did he love? Everyone. Hey, he loved people that other people didn't love. Remember the woman at the well? You know? You remember the people Jesus hung out with? that like He's like, yeah, man, they need me. They need me. You guys religious people, you think you got it handled, you know? But he went to the outcasts. He went to everyone. If you walk in, if you live in prayer, you'll walk in love. Look at this. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. This is a great verse, and you can apply this a lot. Some of y'all need to get a tattoo on your forehead, but just get it backwards so you can read it straight up in the mirror, all right? Just saying. You can get that? Yeah. You know the ambulance signs? I always remember as a kid wondered why the ambulances had stuff written backwards. So I could read it in my rearview mirror. Whoa. But anyways. Look at this. Above all, keep loving one another. This word love is the word agape. We have a few different kinds of love in, in, in Greek. Eros is one of the loves. We get the word erotic from it. That's a me love. I love me. If you, if you, if you benefit me, Bruce, if you benefit me, I love you, man. If you don't benefit me, we're done. All right? There's, no, that's not, that's not godly love, man. That's just, but that's an, that's an eros love. Then we have phileo love, which is an us love. Hey, Bruce. You benefit me and I benefit you, man. We're good. And the world can have that. But believers are supposed to have that beneficial love. We use our gifts to help each other out, right? But there's a higher love. There's an agape love. And agape love is a you love. I love you no matter what. You love me no matter what. Even if I have you get in a fetal position on the front row there and it hurts. And, and kind of embarrassing. You love me and you did it. I appreciate that love. And I'm not going to do it again to you. But all right. Just to prove that you have that love. But it's a you love. I love you no matter what. 
Hey, let me ask you a question. Look at the person that, hey, all right, Bob and Ann. I'm going to put you on the spot right here. And when you look at Bob's beautiful face right there, just look at him. Can you believe there might be a time where he's not lovable? Is that possible? Yeah. Hey, all right. Good, good, good. Look at somebody next to you. Can you believe there might be a time, just possibly a time, where they might not be lovable? Yeah. There's going to be a time where they might not be lovable. But a person who's being unlovable, what do they need more than anything in the world? Love. Love. But what do you really want to give them? <laughs> yeah, what, what do you really want to give them when, when, yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe he might not be lovable at some point. And what do you really want to give him? You don't want to give him love. In fact, in this day and age, you know what? I'm going to give you some bad advice. Take your camera. You know, if you have the 12 Pro, it's got a three angle, three different cameras, so it captures the best angle. Go ahead and just start videoing them when they get ugly. When they're fighting and yelling at you, put it on and, and, and don't say, don't worry, I got it in portrait mode. It's going to pick up your face exactly. And, and get it and video them. Video and then put it on every social media platform you have and send it to all the relatives. I mean, face check it, whatever you got to do with this stuff. Put it out there so everybody can see it. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to see it and say, oh, wow, I really look like that. I really acted like that. Oh, I'm so ashamed. I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. How many of y'all think that would work? No. How many of you are saying, no, for the love of God, do not do that? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work. We want to show them what they look like. And how often, how do we show them what they look like? Woo, we do the exact same thing right back to them, don't we? And it's like, well, I'm just being like you. And what does that do? It just adds fuel to the fire, man. It blows things up. Any of you ever made the mistake maybe once a long time ago and you learned from, well, let's just say you made the mistake a long time ago and you tried that in some way, shape. Yeah, it doesn't work. What? Look what he says. He said, love covers a multitude of sins. If somehow you could get the love to be able to love somebody that's being unlovable, he said, that's going to cover the sins. It's going to make, that's going to work. Where in the world are you going to get the ability to love somebody that's being unlovable? Where are you going to get the ability to love a jerk, Gary? God. From God. I can't go to Walmart. I can't go to Target. I can't go to Bass Pro. I can't even go. Amazon doesn't have it. Come on. <laughs> Can you believe Amazon doesn't have it? <laughs> I bet they're trying to market something that says they have it, but they don't. There's one source. Help me out, guys. Where's the one source? So guess what? When you're walking in prayer. When you're walking in prayer, you're living in love because when you encounter somebody, what's the Holy Spirit going to tell you? Carol Ann, what's the Holy Spirit going to tell you? Video them or ask God for the ability to love them? Love. Love. Exactly. Because the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to do what Christ would do. And that is love people that even hate you. But you can't do that unless God gives you ability. So you've got to start by walking in prayer. That self-control, that focus, that spiritual discernment, the spiritual vision. And he says, keep loving, agape. Love them, whether no matter how they treat you, love them. And by the way, love is not giving somebody what they want. Love is giving them what they need. Amen. And who's the only one who knows what somebody needs? God. So if you're going to love, give them what they need through love, who do you have to be in communication with? And how are you going to be in communication? Prayer. Through prayer. That's what Peter says. Walk in prayer and then you will live in love because you will be in con you have the mind of christ and you'll be in constant communication with the one who's going to show you how to love them how many of you ever tried to love somebody and it wasn't working you're like i don't even know how to love them anybody been there yeah god how do i love them go bring bacon blueberry muffins well they don't like blueberry muffins. you can argue with me or what I'm just saying, do whatever God says to do. And they're like, what the heck did you bake me blueberry muffins for? I hate blueberry muffins. Well, I prayed and God told me to bake you blueberry muffins to show you I love you. Wow, you actually asked God how to love me? That'll throw some people for a loop right there. You just do whatever he says to do. And he makes it all work out. But love is what's going to cover sins. So he says, keep loving one another earnestly. This word earnest is talking about, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's talking about a runner. How, Eric, you're a runner, right? And, and, and most of the time, long distance, you're just kind of, you got your stride, right? 
You got your stride, and it stretches out. But at the end, you see personal best up on. I mean, you got that opportunity. What do you do at the end of your even cross country race? What are you doing at the end? Are you just like you're like? Oh, I think I'll just slow down. I'll stop. You know, is that what you're doing? Okay, is there a better runner here? No, I'm just saying. Erica, what would most runners do at the end? Dude, they're stretching it out. They're giving it everything they've got, especially if they see the potential of a personal best, something. And you're stretching it out. You're giving it everything you've got to accomplish something that you couldn't accomplish before. And that's what he's saying, how we're supposed to love each other. It's not like, oh, well, Johnny's too hard to love, so how would that have worked in your marriage? <laughs> Johnny, I was talking to Johnny, not you. It's funny either Yeah, exactly. How does that work in your marriage? You're like, oh, that's too difficult to love that person. I'll just wait till it gets easy. How much love is there going to be in a marriage if you wait till it gets easy? Unless, you know, even Bob, do you ever have to stretch yourself out to love him? Uh, yeah. On occasions, yes. And it goes both ways. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Stretch it out. Oh, he's like, go full speed. But you can only do that if God gives you the desire and ability. And you don't have the desire and ability unless you're in that mind focus, that mindset. You're paying attention to him. Because if you're not focused on him, you're focused on everything else. And everything else is going to tell you to quit and go find somebody easier to love. Amen. Guess what? There's nobody easier to love than the one God gave you. My wife and I, our commitment was till death do us part. So murder is on the table. <laughs> but divorce isn't. And we've never achieved that yet. Not yet. Kids thought maybe close. I don't know. <laughs> Especially when I'm in pain. <laughs> you know. But if my wife and I quit, and, 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 and I'm not going against anybody. I'm not. I understand there's all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of things. But we have 31 years under our belt right now. 31 years. If we quit right now, how long would it take me to get back what I have right now? <laughs> 31 years. I, I'll be in my 90s. I might, might as well work this one out. I'm just saying. And, and, and don't take that wrong. I'm just saying that's a way to look at it. Look, there's nobody easier to love because the love comes from where? If we made the mistakes in life, which I do daily and try to love my wife in the flesh... Man, it, it's not real successful, but when I ask God for the ability to love my wife and I do it his way, it's easier. It works. It's efficient as opposed to me doing it, but I've got to constantly stay in my mind. So if I have that kind of difficulty with Linda, can you imagine what kind of difficulty she has with me? <laughs> that woman is a saint. <laughs> Just like your wife, Terry. She's a saint, right? <laughs> yeah. And all y'all's wives, pretty much because we all married up. But we're not going into that subject today. Because <laughs> that doesn't say much for either one of us. All right, so above all, keep loving agape love earnestly. Stretching it out means sometimes it's going to be difficult to love. But God's stretching you out to show you what love really does look like. Since love covers a multitude of sins. This commentators take it two ways. They say God's love for us covered all our sins. And since God's love for us covered our sins, then we have no excuse for not overlooking other people's sins. That's really kind of what the common denominator is on all of that. If you're unforgiving, it's because you don't understand the forgiveness that was given you. And there's parables in scripture about that we don't have time to go into right now. But the fact is, is that we've got to live in prayer or walk in prayer constantly with that focus on seeing people as souls and seeing God's perspective and help each other do that so that then when we do that, we're going to be living in love. And then the next step, he says, if you walk in love, you're going to be hospitable. Hospitable, okay? And, and look at this. He says, show hospitality to one another. What? And that means after they leave, all right? Uh, there was somebody who once said, I'm trying to think, it was Poor Richard's Almanac. Uh, who wrote that? Was that Ben Franklin or somebody? It was Poor Richard's Almanac. You know what he said? He said, fish and guests both stink after three days. <laughs> he said, guests, are like, guests in your house are like fish. They both stink after three days. That's not what he's talking about here. 
Not like, oh, I love you. Awesome. Oh, come on back anytime you want. And then they leave. Woo, glad they're gone. <laughs> come on. Haven't y'all been there, right? Again, you understand that, right? But he says, show hospitality. Love strangers. That's what the word hospitality means. Not even family. It's talking about strangers. Anybody. But he's actually specifically in context here. You remember the, uh, the book of 1 Peter was written to persecuted people. He said, there's persecution at the church right now. We're seeing persecution right now. But in 1 Peter, he says, but you haven't seen anything yet. It's really coming. So that's why I'm writing this epistle to you. So you'll know how to act when the tougher persecution comes. And what he was saying is when the real persecution comes, there's going to be a lot of displaced believers. For, for no fault of their own, they're going to need a place to stay. And why did God have them knock on your door? There's going to be people that needed food on the table. Why did they come knock here? There's going to be people that need a vehicle. There's going to be people that need different things. They're following God. They're walking with him. But there's going to be people that need things. And guess why I had them come to you? And guess why I gave you extra? Because it all belongs to me. And I want to give you the blessing of being able to bless them. And everybody knows it comes from me. He said, as persecution comes and things get tougher, because back, what ended up happening is when they got saved, they lost their jobs, they lost their families, they lost everything. But this time, they were losing their lives. They were scattered, but that's what God used to break up the manure pile of Christians who was just killing everything underneath. God just through persecution started taking chunks of manure and throwing it all over the world. That's what you guys are, right? Remember that? And then it fertilizes and grows things. But as that manure gets chucked out, it's going to need some help. And that's what he's talking about. Show hospitality. Love strangers to one another without grumbling. Hey, Doc, did you see what I just did? I couldn't do that this time last week or the week before. <laughs> Praise God. So he says you're going to be hospitable. So if you're hospitable, look what he says, you will get to use your gifts. If you're not willing to serve other people, you probably won't get to use your gifts because if you love God, he calls you to love who? others and so that's what your gifts are for is for other people if they're only for you you probably don't get to use them fruit fruit on a tree hey fruit grows on a tree for the tree tree gets to eat its own fruit no fruit grows on the tree so other people can eat it and it's the same thing with your gifts so it's until you're hospitable so you you live in prayer you walk in prayer and as you are praying talking to god staying focused then all of a sudden, God starts leading you to love people. So you start living in love, and now God starts showing you needs that you can meet while he's showing others needs that they can meet for you. And you see how it all works out? But it's only once you start becoming hospitable and thinking about others that he lets you use your gifts. Now, I'm not picking on Doc Bunk, but I'll tell you what, man. He says, lay down on that table. Anybody ever been there where you lay down on a table and then they kind of like, ah, you know, <laughs> it's like, I trust him. I trust him to do that. I love you, John, but you're not doing that. Terry, I'm not letting you do that, bro. There's nobody in this room I'm going to let do that, you know, in there. That's his gift. He's getting you his gift just the same way. You know, Bob, the gifts you use in helping me procure the gifts all of you guys have. I could go through and name all these gifts and I'd let somebody out, but the fact is, is that it's not until you're, you're walking in prayer that you're living in love that you start becoming hospitable because you see God has given you desires for other people that then you get to start using your gifts. That's the process. Using your gifts is not just building a church. It's not to basically make this function work. In fact, we try to keep this as easy and free as possible so you can use your gifts out there. Because that's where we need them used is out there. That's who needs them. The world needs them out there. Amen. Man, I'm so grateful so many of you use your gifts. I, I, I love hearing at the beginning of the service how God uses you to use your gifts. Morgan, it, 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 it was super hard being part of a surf and skate ministry, wasn't it? I suffered for Jesus. Now, I'm saying there weren't rough times. But, dude, did God not give you that as a gift and a desire and ability to be? Were you not doing what you were wanting to do? Yeah, and he was using that in a mighty way. In fact, so much you're like, I'm sad I miss these folks and I miss doing that. Now this next season, wait to see what he, how he lets you use your gifts in this next season until the next season. So if you are hospitable, you'll get to use your gifts. Can you imagine being a cheetah? I think of this every time we go to the Brevard Zoo. He goes, I want to go see the cheetahs. We go see the cheetahs, but where are the cheetahs? They're in the zoo. And they're in a containment about this big. 
What are cheetahs built to do? Dude, built to run, man. And now I'm not bashing zoos. We keep still going and all of that. And it's a cool place. We get cool pictures. And, but I always think of that, of some of these animals not getting to do what they were created to do. And I think about you. <laughs> I think about me. Well, we don't get to do what we're supposed to do. Could you imagine, Zane, if all of a sudden I had to pay some dues as being a librarian? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't talk. <laughs> Somebody's going to die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine not getting to use your gifts? But there's so many believers that aren't because it starts with walk, uh, walking in walking in what? Prayer. Prayer, which causes you to live in what? Love, which causes you to become hospitable, which causes you to have opportunities to use your gifts for God. Look at this. As each has received a gift. Now, I'm not going into these right now, but if you want to study gifts, which we've made a big deal of, and even the Corinthians, we take, it, we take such stuff out of context about these gifts and all these things. When Paul's even just telling them about these gifts that they're supposed to be. Look at this. As each has received a gift, use it to what? Yeah, it's not for you. It's for somebody else. That's the key. And that's what Paul's even telling. And people take all this gift stuff. There's three sections mainly where they mention gifts. I'm going to tell you this. And you go home and study yourself if you're interested. But Romans 12 talks about, hey, you have some motivation. In fact, the gift, the word for gift is actually the word motivation in the Greek. That's like, I'm an exhorter. I'm a teacher. There's a, there, Zane's a prophet, man. Has the ability to like, just see, God lets him not predict the future, but see things that, dude, you keep doing that, that's going to happen to you. Isn't that right, Bruce Lee? You ever say that to you? You keep doing that, that's what's going to happen, right? And he has the guts to actually say it when he's walking in the Spirit. There's other people that are mercy people. People are, people are throwing up. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they don't care if it's all getting on them. Me, I'm like, do not get that on me or I'll be in the same boat. <laughs> there's mercy people. There's serving people. There's... There's, there's, there's people that would rather give. Some people who are servants and want to work behind the scenes see givers and they're like, oh, they just want to buy everything. No, God gave them the ability to make money so they could give. That's part, that's a spiritual gift. Meanwhile, there's other people that would rather just serve and do it. So in Ephesians uh, or in Romans 12, he talks about these eight motivations kind of. I don't know if the list is all inclusive, but it, I, I can find everybody in there. And I think the more we become like Christ, the more we have all these. But these are some motivations we have. You go to Ephesians 4, he said, oh, yeah, some are pastor, teacher, some are this. So he's giving us ministries to be able to use your motivation in. So we have motivations, but he gives us ministries in which to use them. And I know that list is not all-inclusive because Captain Mack, the boat ministry, is not in there. And we get to use that, don't we? Yeah. So Romans says, here's your motivations. There's probably more than this. It's just a good list of them. Here's some ministries in which these gifts are used. And then you go to 1 Corinthians 12, which everybody wants to focus on. They're like, oh! And, and Paul's like, no, no. That's, you got love. Love. Love conquers all. Love is, you know, if you do it all without loving, you're a clanging symbol. But no, but look at the list. Look at the list. I want these gifts. It's like those gifts are manifestations. So we have motivations God gives us. We have ministries in which to use that motivation that he gives us. And then he says, here's a list of some manifestations of what it might look like. But it's far from all-inclusive. You can study those later, but don't miss the main point. God has given you gifts that are unique to you, and he wants you to use it to serve who? One so you get served in the meantime, right? If we're serving one another, all of us get served. And he says, as good stewards, managers of God's varied grace, many colored grace. In other words, each one of it's going to look different. So Zane, let's say Zane has a gift of, 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 talk, of exhorting and encouraging. And I have the gift of encouraging. And we both get to do it here. Is it going to be exactly the same? No, it's going to be different because every situation is different. He uses each of us different. Don't ever try to be like somebody else. Let me ask you a question. If you're not being you, who are you being, Chris? Somebody else. Are you going to be good at being somebody else as you are at being yourself? No. And if you don't even think it's worth being you, then who's being you? Probably nobody. And if you weren't necessary, would you have been created? So by trying to be somebody else, you've ripped the world off. You've got to be who God created you to be. You've got to be a spirit-filled you. You've got to walk in prayer so you can live in love. 
He causes you to become hospitable, and as you're hospitable, you get the opportunity to use your gifts, and it's going to look very different than the way other people use their gifts. Look at this. He says, whoever speaks, Zane, I was thinking about this morning, whoever speaks, does anybody know somebody who has, like, that's just got to be their gift? I'd say they're good at it. That's just their gift. <laughs> Any, anybody who speaks, they just talk. No, you don't know anybody like that? Amen. <laughs> right. I'm almost done here. We're almost on the home front here. But whoever speaks, if you're going to speak, make sure that what's coming out of your mouth is from God. That's what he's saying. How many of y'all do have a gift of gab? God has given you the ability to speak. Yes. Make sure what comes out of your mouth, dude, is coming from God. But Dr. Bonk, I told my wife about some of our little encounters this week. She's like, he must be worn out by the time you leave. He must go home to his wife and say, holy smoke. <laughs> Relax. I am relaxing. I'm just not talking. I'm talking 10 miles an hour and not 50. All right. But yeah. So if you speak, make sure what's coming out of your mouth is coming from God. And he said, but if you're also a gift, if your gift is serving, doing it, look at this. Do it as somebody who's served by the strength that God supplies. In other words, don't do it with your own strength. Realize God has might, but it's only when you say, I want to do it in your might that he gives you his power to be able to do it in there. So you again get to use his gifts. And for the culmination, for the end result of this, if you use your gifts for God, God will be what? Glorified. And when God is glorified, guess what he's going to say? When you have a situation and you bring glory to God, what's he going to one day say? Oh. That's it. That's what we've got to make sure happens in every one of these situations we're in. Look what he says. Last section, last half of one half verse. Terry, how long could that take? It's only going to take a moment because it says in order that in everything. In what? Everything. everything. That's every situation you encounter. In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You know how that happens, Maddie? What how that happens is that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you because of what Christ did on the cross. Christ died, was buried, and what happened on the third day? Now, you have a gift of gab. Don't be all quiet up on me in church now. I know you from you when you were that big, right? So on the third day, he what? He rose from the dead, and you know he's alive because he's living inside of you in the form of his Holy Spirit, which is who's communicating and giving you the mind of Christ as you walk in prayer and live in love, become hospitable, and use his gifts. So Christ, what he did on the cross is being glorified. He's glorifying God because of the actions taking place in you. You were just going to say all that, weren't you, Maddie? Absolutely. Maybe you'll say it again. Yeah, yeah, you remember it all. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And look what he gives us a doxology. To him. Something, well, is that Christ or is that God? You know what? Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit are one. We don't get it. We will one day. But to him, to God, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, belong glory and dominion. How long? So who's going to win? So who would make sense putting all your, what, what investment would make sense in putting all your investments in? <laughs> in him. Where would, it, where would it make sense to just put everything you've got into? The one that's going to win in the end forever and ever. Amen? Amen? That's what he says. So here's the culmination of it. You must live in prayer so you can walk in love. You must walk in love so you can be hospitable. You must be hospitable so you can use your gifts for God. Otherwise, you're using your gifts in a wrong way. And when you use your gifts for God, God's glorified. And when that process happens, when God is glorified, he will one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what it's about. So I want to encourage you with every encounter you have, every opportunity you get to make some rebuttal on social media, or you get to post some meme that inside you're, you know, you're thinking that's a really good one. Anytime you're, get, you're getting ready to do anything, anything, even in your own house. Because sometimes that's where I find myself. I can say things with my wife and my kids around that I probably wouldn't say up here. You're like, no, I don't think that's true. But literally, there's some things. That, but yet, which conversations are more important? All my conversations, all my actions should be such. Then when God says, hey, what would you do with that situation? I said, I did something that you would say, well done, good and faithful servant to. 
That's the way we need to start looking at it. From a board meeting to a board meeting, Morgan. <laughs> Two different kinds of board meetings. That's where we're at. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. And Father, thank you for giving us this word. Father, we don't know when you're coming, but as Zane, you put in his heart to say, man, whenever the trumpet blows, help us be found doing exactly what you want us to be doing. And Father, we know that can't happen. We can't, it can't happen unless we're focused on you. It can't happen unless we're just constantly walking in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd bring conviction to us. You would remind us in a loving, gentle way. Whenever we find ourselves just kind of doing things without you on our mind, Father, would you just come into our mind? And instead of rejecting you, Father, would we, I pray that we would just accept you and bring you in on the conversation, on the thought process, on the action. Father, would you just do that through your grace? Make us cognizant of you all the time and remind us when we're not. So help us, Father, walk in prayer. So that, Father, we know the result will be we live in love. And as we live in love for you, we begin to love other people. And it gets us off of our pity parties. It gets us off of our stuff. It gets, it's amazing what praising can do. And as we do that, Father, you give us opportunities to be hospitable. And then we see the real benefit when you, get to let it, when you give us in those opportunities, the opportunity to use the gifts you've given us. And we get to see how uniquely and wonderfully we've been made. How you created us so special and awesome. And then empowered us supernaturally. And then through all of that, you're glorified. So that one day we can look forward to hearing you say, Well done, good and faithful servant. I pray, Father, that would be our motivation. That that be our thought process. As we encounter what this week has to offer. Pray for these things in Jesus' name.